is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The first reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 3. God's promise to send a Savior to crush Satan's power. This is the basis for the sermon today. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you? that you were naked. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the, the, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, well, the, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this. Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The word of the Lord. Dear Lord God, I have a couple questions for you. How did you decide the number of planets to stick into this solar system? Why did you make mosquitoes? Why does sulfur stink so much? You may have some questions for God too. But whether you do or don't, there is one big question that we all need to ask. Lord, what's your plan for me? Today's first reading from the third chapter of the first book of the Bible unfolds the answer. It all started here. If you're not familiar with the facts presented in Genesis chapter 3, you would not know the answer to the why questions behind God's plan for us. Why are there problems in the world? Why do cyber terrorists attack and hack into oil pipeline systems? Why do email thieves send messages that your PayPal account 
has new big charges and the phone number given that you call to resolve the problem ends up in there asking for remote access to your computer and your banking information. Why do people get drunk and do illegal drugs? Why do young people experiment with sex before marriage? Why do filthy men harass women and others absent themselves into couch potato dumb? Why do we bear grudges, hold jealousy in our heart, talk behind people's backs? Why do we seek happiness our own way as if God doesn't know what's good for us? You can do all the analyzing you want. You can blame it on your upbringing, a dysfunctional family, or a traumatic childhood. But behind all of it is the big problem. And it all started here, in the Garden of Eden. The world into which the Lord God placed Adam and Eve was literally paradise. A perfect blend of sunshine, temperature, and humidity. Oranges and peaches always in the season. Flowers always in bloom. People caring for animals in the animal kingdom. Bunnies and bears, lions and lambs playing together. Perfect harmony in the first marriage. The relationship of a husband and wife. And best of all, a perfect bond of love and trust between God and people. The Bible writer tells us when God designed all of this and saw it, He said it was very good. Everything was good. Very, very, very good. But faster and more surprising than a pop-up downpour in June, all of a sudden everything became bad. Very, very, very bad. Satan got Eve to think that what God had in mind for her wasn't good. That he didn't know what he was doing when he said, you can eat from all the trees in the garden, have some fun here, but there is one tree that's not for food. If you eat of it, you're going to die. Satan convinced Eve that God was holding out on her, that he, was, that he had something up his sleeve, that if they took initiative, if they did something, if they ate of that tree, then they would be taking the elevator ride all the way up to God's skylit suite in the sky and be on his level. No stakes of any game of chance could have ever been higher. Adam and Eve gambled with their lives and with the lives of every human being who has ever lived on this planet and they lost. Life on earth was never going to be the same. From that moment on, paradise was lost. Satan injected the virus of sin and it infected everything. Bunnies run away scared. Bears kill. Thorns and thistles choke out flowers. Crabgrass spreads through lawns. Sin brought heartache and hurt feelings. It infiltrated the first home and it infiltrates every home thereafter. Spousal spats naughty kids, anger and abuse, all started here. And that wasn't the worst of it. 
by their rebellion against God, Adam and Eve not just corroded, but collapsed their relationship with God. They had now pitched their tent in Satan's camp and were bonded to him by the chains of sin. They were caught in the devil's death trap, sliding on the greased water slide into eternal separation from God and his love. And it's not as though their fall into sin was some little boo-boo that warranted a slap on the wrist. Oh, no. No, they locked themselves into enmity, which is a fancy word for hatred and hostility against God, deserving only his anger. And there was absolutely nothing they could do to bleach away the sin, the stain of sin. Nothing they could do. Oh, they tried to cover up. They made coverings for themselves. They tried to hide They hid among the trees of the garden like you can hide from God. (laughs) They tried to blame someone or something else. Lord, the woman you made got me in trouble. Lord, the snake you made got me in trouble. In essence, they were blaming God for their troubles. If he hadn't had it up to here with them by that time, yikes! He had a perfect right to sentence them to death forever with their new friend, Satan, and to rot in hell forever. And this is where their story intersects ours. You may not feel it every moment of every day, but there is buried in us this deep, desperate need to have a connection with God. And losing that and not having it all started here. And with that fall into sin comes the answer to all those why questions behind God's plan for us. Why this problem in our life or why that problem in our life. Behind all of it, the bottom line is still sin. It's not only all around us, it's in us. And there's absolutely nothing we can do to bleach out the sin stain. Only when we really come to grips with how powerful sin really is and how it tears us away from God and locks us into Satan's grubby hands, only then will we begin to appreciate God's plan to rescue us. If you never read the Bible and started reading from the beginning, the first thing you would do is you would come across an account that is awe-inspiring, how God designed and created this universe in six natural 24-hour days. Wow. In chapter 2 of the Bible, God zooms our attention in on the perfect relationship he intended to have with human beings, but then we get to this chapter 3. The account where Adam and Eve blew it all apart. If you had never read the Bible before, What would you expect God to do at that moment? Wouldn't you expect that he would hunt them down and hurl them with their new buddy Satan into an eternal dungeon? But God, our God, the only God there is, is big into surprises. Instead of condemning people, which we would expect, he condemned Satan. He began by addressing the vehicle of temptation, the snake. Cursed are you above all livestock. That means that for the rest of all time, you and I and all human beings would have a natural aversion to creepy crawly things. And that is a reminder of the reality of this historic event. But God wasn't done. 
He's not just addressing the vehicle of temptation, the snake. He's addressing the tempter, Satan himself. And he said to the devil, I'm going to put enmity between you, devil, and the woman. I know what you've done. You've got people now in your camp. And they're angry at me. And I'm rightly angry at them. And they're hanging out with you. That's not the way I want it. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So I'm going to do something to turn everything upside down and get it back where it should be. I'm going to help this woman realize that she, that you are not her buddy and have hostility toward you where it's supposed to be in the first place. And I will put enmity and hostility between your offspring, devil, all those who follow you and want to follow your lead, and hers, all those descendants of Adam and Eve who trust that I am the true God. Do you notice, by the way, how big this promise is? God was speaking a promise, but he was doing that couched in his condemnation of Satan. And it wasn't just a promise for the benefit of Adam and Eve, that they would recognize, oh wait, that's right, Satan is supposed to be our enemy. We're against him. God is our friend. But it was intended for all of Adam and Eve's descendants who trusted the true God's promise. So that you and I could actually realize, wait a minute, our real enemy is the devil. God is our friend. How would the Lord God pull this off? How was he going to work this tremendous transformation to get Adam and Eve out of the devil's camp, back in with him where they were to be in the first place? Lord, what's your plan? Listen to more of the promise. God said to Satan, He, he, one descendant of this woman, will crush your head, devil, although you will strike his heel. I find it interesting that at this moment, God does not give the details about when and the who this special offspring would be. And that must have driven the devil crazy. Not until the other promises of God unfolded in the Old Testament with more details as to who this promised descendant of Eve, Savior, would be, the devil didn't know. And he had to be aware of every child born from every woman. Which one is going to be the one to destroy me? Oh, sure, he was going to get a snake-like strike in against this special offspring, but he would not win the war. This promise, which all started here, said that Eve's descendant would win the war, not the devil. And victory is exactly what Jesus won. Oh, sure, he had to withstand snake-like strikes from Satan. You remember how he began his ministry, 40 days in the wilderness, constantly being badgered and tempted by the Satan. He came out the winner, though. And how about this statement from the Bible writer in the letter to the Hebrews? Since the children of Adam and Eve have flesh and blood, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him. Who holds the power of death? That is the devil. And think of what the Apostle John wrote in his first letter. The Apostle John wrote, The reason the Son of God appeared... Why did he come into the world in the first place? The reason he appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He came to destroy the devil's work. He came to do what was first promised here in Genesis chapter 3. He came to live the life that you were supposed to live, that Adam and Eve were supposed to live, and can't. So that the Bible writer, the Apostle Paul, can say, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be considered sinful in our place 
bearing all our sins so that we, connected to Jesus, might be considered right when we stand before God. Then he took all those sins right to the cross. And he shouted out, it is finished! Which was an announcement to the world and to you and to me. Satan is crushed. Satan is conquered. I have won the victory. It all started here with this first promise. And by this promise, God changed for Adam and Eve what they deserved, punishment, into his love. A promise of love instead of punishment. That promise brightened their days, each and every day of their lives, and by that promise they knew that God loved them, that he would indeed send one of their descendants into the world to crush Satan's power and undo the damage they had caused. They brought sin, he would bring salvation. They ruined the relationship with God, he would restore the relationship with God. By this promise, they were reunited with God in love. And you and I are heirs of that very same promise which all started here. We are descendants of Adam and Eve who have entered this world locked and stuck in Satan's camp But God found a way through Jesus to break us away from that and get us back into his loving home and camp and family. Like a man walking through a field of tall grass, minding his own business, and all of a sudden a snake comes up and bites his heel. That man turns around, shakes off the snake, and squishes that snake's head. That's what Jesus did. Yes, Satan struck his heel. He suffered bearing sins all the way to the cross. But Jesus turned and crushed Satan's head by his death and proved it by coming out of the grave alive. That victory is yours. Oh yeah, Satan's going to bother you and he bothers me. He's going to bring those temptations that are just such a nuisance. They're going to come. But he does not win the ultimate war. Jesus already won that one. Satan is crushed. The victory is his and yours. And it all started here. The long-range plan for the next five to ten years for our congregation has been shared with members of our congregation electronically and will be shared in the open forum. That takes place at 1015. Next door you'll want to peek in on and get some feedback and some insights from our leaders about that. It's the stuff of dreams. Not not pie in the sky. But a look to the future based on God's track record of blessings to Grace Church in the past. And based on God allowing the continued revitalization, redevelopment, and growth in downtown Milwaukee, and based on your willingness to pitch in, to make grace not just a place to passively receive, but an avenue for giving and loving and extending the love of God and sharing his love with all around us with Easter-based optimism. While we can make our plans, and we do on a regular basis, we know that all of our plans are in God's hands and that he might certainly turn the future into something different than what we plan or determine or vision and give us something much better than we could ever imagine. But that's not going to stop us from striving to serve him with our best efforts and our best resources because we know 
that our plan, our plans, all have a purpose to point to God's great plan that runs like a golden thread from the Garden of Eden to Golgotha to Grace Church in Milwaukee. His plan to take you and me to heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.